Duty. Honor. Country. These three words define who we are. Duty. Friends and neighbors united for the common good, in service to others, and for the benefit of all. Honor. The deep-rooted faith that selfless dedication to a noble cause is right, just, and good. Country. A solemn vow volunteered to support our nation's people during desperate times. Mercy in the midst of nature's wrath. Hope when all seems lost. Duty. Honor. Country. We're Public Radio. WCBN. FM. Ann Arbor. This is for Palestine and Moana, West Bank, Gaza. This is for the child that is searching for the answer. Will a shocker take your tears and replace them with laughter? Long live Palestine, long live Gaza. Palestine and Moana, West Bank, Gaza. This is for the child that is searching for the answer. Will a shocker take your tears and replace them with laughter? Long live Palestine. While we listen to tunes made by ignorant fools Israel blocked the UN from delivering food They bring in the troops and you won't even glimpse at the news They make money off the products that we're quick to consume And it's not simply a question of different views Forget emotions, this is facts, what I spit is the truth Makes no difference if you're a Christian or if you're a Jew They're just people living in different conditions to you They still die when you bomb their schools, mosques and hospitals It's not because of rockets please. Hello, you've got Living Writers. I'm T. Hetzel, and today I'm so happy to have here in the studio Dr. Izeldin Abulesh. Thank you so much for being here, Dr. Abulesh. Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me and being in your program. And it's sort of a miracle, it feels like. Um, we're speaking on the 2nd of February, um, 2011, that you made it here through the blizzard um, <laughs> to, to reach us. And thanks, and thanks for getting here safely. That's why... Always we need to believe and to have faith and to believe in God's mercy and the blessings that nothing is impossible. With goodwill and God's bless, everything can be achieved. And I'm here. I wasn't, I didn't expect to be today here. But I am here. Yet. And it's a fact and reality. Yes. Thanks, um. God. And I'm so glad you are. Thank you. And I know the listeners are as well. And you'll be speaking later today, um, this evening, actually, at the Michigan Theater. Yes? Yes. At 7 o'clock? At 7 o'clock it will be. So 7 o'clock tonight at the Michigan Theater. Um, and you will have... You're actually... At the at the beginning part of a, a a tour for your book, I shall not hate a Gaza doctor's journey on the road to peace and human dignity, and um and you've been out west and now you're coming to the Midwest and you've got we we'll talk a little bit about the dates to come in case some of the listeners can get to your your coming your coming talks. Um, without further ado, I'll sh I'll read your short bio from the back of the book. Izzeldin Abulesh, MD, MPH, is a Palestinian physician and infertility expert who was born and raised in the Jabalia refugee camp in the Gaza Strip. He received a scholarship to study medicine in Cairo and then received a diploma from the Institute of Obstetrics and Gynecology at the University of London. He completed a residency in the same discipline at the Soroka Medical Center in Israel, followed by a subspecialty in fetal medicine 
in Italy and Belgium. He then undertook a master's in public health at Harvard University. Before his three daughters were killed in January 2009, Dr. Abulaish worked as a senior researcher at the Gertner Institute at the Sheba Medical Center in Tel Aviv. He now lives with his family in Toronto, where he is an associate professor at the Dalalana School of Public Health at the University of Toronto. His website and foundation can be found at www.daughtersforlife.com. And thanks again for being here today. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, so, Dr. Abulesh, when did you decide to write the book? Um, what was it that moved you to write the book and to tell your story and in this form? I was planning to write my book a few years ago as a Palestinian who was raised, born in the abject poverty and suffering and succeeded to achieve and to have my accomplishments and to practice medicine where I believe medicine is a human profession to deal and to save lives to be the first Palestinian who practiced medicine in an Israeli hospital where my Israeli colleagues and the Israeli people, they used to see the Palestinians as workers. Now they saw the Palestinian as a medical doctor, equal to them, a human as they are, saving lives as they save, with passion, with the skills, and that we are similar. So I thought of writing that experience because I worked for more than 15 years crossing the borders from the Gaza Strip to go to practice. And it became increasingly difficult to cross these borders during your that 15 years, didn't it? It's harrowing it's in the It's difficult, book. but I was focused. Mm -hmm. I have a quest in life. I have a mission to make a difference and to open the eyes of others. And did that... Did that mission begin um, with your, your sort of your mother's love and that, that time you spent working at the farm in Israel when you were, were you about 15 years old? Or was it, did it even predate that? It's my life. As a Palestinian child, as I said, who never tasted the childhood. As a Palestinian, till now, we are in the 21st century where we are deprived of our freedom and suffered a lot until now I am suffering. When I travel, I feel I am stranded. I'm not free. When I cross any borders or any airports to hand, to handle my passport, to start to look at it, who is this? Where is it? We are a nation with history and roots. We are a nation with the human resources with the skills, with passion, with potential, and we made a difference in the human face. Just we are asking for the minimum of the human rights, the freedom, the freedom of all, because we were born free, and we must live free, and we don't need to pay any price to get our freedom. That's why I felt there is a compelling need 
to write this book, but it came. Unfortunately, after an awful, terrible tragedy, I felt there is a compelling need for this message to tell the people who are desperate and frustrated in this world to give them hope, to inspire them, to feel connected. And what can they do to make a difference? And that the tragedies are not the end of the world. We need to learn from them and to prevent any more tragedies. Still, we are watching. We feel passion and moved, but we are not doing enough. How many thousands or millions of the world need to die to start to act? How many children need to die in this world so we can realize that we have ears and eyes, we have hearts and minds to move us to do something to those human fellows where humanity brings all of us together? I, I must tell you that I was... I was f finishing reading um, your book uh, that I was that that they kindly sent from Walker and Company, um, your publisher, and uh, towards the end of the book, when you're you're talking about um, in January, um, in in two thousand nine, um, when the when your when your home on in um, in Gaza was was shelled was was bombed um and i s they mention it was mentioned in the book about the the youtube clip and so i went online and and listened and um and it was so painful to hear um your voice because the the moment um do you mind if i try to uh, frame it a little bit here. Um, the moment is you had called a colleague of yours who worked um, in an, in rail, at an Israeli television station, and you called him moments after the, your three daughters and your niece, you'd found them um, blown apart in, in their room. And, and your voice calling um, out why and for for God, um, and he he took the call even though he was on air during part of a different program, um, and and your voice was heard. Um, but such a such a um, I can't say that. Uh, I I think it's it's a wonderful and a brave thing that you're doing writing this book and coming to different parts of the U.S. to talk about your story because to hear the pain in your voice from that moment, I can't imagine that um, it, it wouldn't come back to you as you speak about your daughters and that day um, as part of uh, as part of your mission now to try to, to bridge things, as you say, rather than to build bridges rather than walls. It's not my story alone. It's everyone, it's, it's everyone's story, every human being's story. Those girls, biologically, they were my daughters. But they are everyone's daughter.
and he must look to every child, not the biology, but the humanity that we share. Do we need to suffer to open the eyes of others? We need to prevent, not to treat. This tragedy, it made me satisfied at least that the blood of my daughters saved others' lives. The second day was announced unilateral ceasefire from the side of Israel. And to stop the war against innocent civilians and to save lives, Palestinians and Israelis. But we don't want to die in order to save lives. We need to live and save others. We need to give life and to live. That's what is needed. So this tragedy, I felt as a believer, as a Muslim, with deep faith, it was for good. It was for good because everything from God is for good. What is bad? What is awful is man-made. And, and you said in your, the book that your son said to you, um, Dad, they are with mom That's, now. It's, b believe, with you know what? At that moment, I see it in front of me now. When I looked at my son, who was 12 years old, after he lost his mom, he lost the three sisters, and he was spoiled. They were giving him everything. I started to think of the future, because the past, I can't do anything for it. I can't return my daughters, but I want to think and focus on my living children and my son. Is he going to be extreme, to be violent? And I don't want to blame him if he becomes, because the life brought him violent. He wasn't born violent. We need to ask ourselves, what did we do for those children to push them to the corner, to a blind way, and they have no other options. They have no choices just to hate life and to hate the day they were born. But it's God's bless and mercy. God's mercy was there. When he looked at me while I was screaming and crying to tell me, why are you crying? Why are you screaming? You must be happy. At the same moment, happy for what? My sisters are happy there. They are with their mom. She asked for them. If this is 12 years old, son says that. Can we give our children the life and the future they deserve? Those believers with this kindness, with this enlightenment, why do we neglect them? We need to focus, and I'm proud of him. It gave me the passion and support. And now your your family and and you you are currently living in Toronto, and and in Canada and and teaching. Uh, and work working there with uh, uh, um, do you think that you will return 
to Gaza or or is it a because you write about it in the book as well the struggle with this is your home um it is not time not going when you ask me are you going to return to Gaza Gaza with me yes my people is there here it's in my cells in every cell of my body my people believe me I think of them I live their life on daily basis so I don't think it's the right question to ask me are you going it's my roots it's my beautiful happy and bitter days are you going to ask me are you going to Gaza it's my daughter's body is there my mother's my wife my beloved ones I I th- I didn't understand this question because there is, you know, no one can take me from them or to take them from me. Believe me, I would love to be there and every day to go to visit them, to feel angry, to feel outraged of not accepting what happened and to work more of making that a tragedy for good cause and others' lives. Yes. And you do. And this book and talking to people about your story is making that change. And Palestine is, is in your step and in your, in your breath. Um, we're going to take a short break and we'll come right back. You're listening to Living Writers today on the program. Dr. Izeldin Abulesh, his book, I Shall Not Hate, A Gaza Doctor's Journey on the Road to Peace and Human Dignity. We'll be back. Thank you. 
Welcome back. You've got Living Writers. I'm T. Hetzel. Today on the program, Dr. Izeldin Abulaish is here in the studio. His book, I Shall Not Hate, A Gaza Doctor's Journey on the Road to Peace and Human Dignity. Dr. Abulaish will be speaking this evening at the Michigan Theater at 7 o'clock. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity. Uh, well, it's, 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 it's wonderful to to talk with you and to hear um, the love that you have for your family and for your country and uh, and just to, to see who you are as a human being. The love, really, the love to the human tribe that I belong to, the belongings, the connections, that's what I feel as a child that I suffered I hate, if I want to hate, to see a child suffering or to pass what did I pass through. Well, you were, you were from a, when you were a young boy, you were the eldest son, and with that came a lot of responsibility in your family. Your, your, your family had had land and then been displaced and forced to become refugees in Gaza. And so it seemed like from the book that your father always felt this displacement and, and, and for, of course, for, would want more for you. And you actually had to help by getting up at 3 a.m. to go. And would you tell us a little bit about yeah, yeah. Your, your early beginnings of... In this world, the injustice that we are suffering, we made to each other. My family, as the Palestinian nation, they were peacefully living in their homeland and enjoying their life in their farms because nothing like home. And your last name means sharing food with... F with f the, 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 the life, the spirit, the smell, the roots, and in a sudden to be homeless from being owner of the land start to be a refugee waiting for AIDS. And feeling it's temporary, and too. And they were expecting it one day, two days, one week, a month, and now it's more than six decades waiting to get their freedom. The world to free the Palestinians from the occupation, to give them the potential, the good feeling that the world is thinking of them and not accepting what happened with them and to them. From being a wealthy to be waiting for AIDS by the end of the month, to struggle for survival. And that, you know, some people in this world, they are fighting to live. And others are living to fight. Can we give the chance? We don't need to fight to live. We need to live 
in order to live. And, and that's what you've you've made of your life is this this um, the quest into medicine, um, specializing in trying to help people bring um, more children into the world. Um, and because for for Palestinians and that's what do I say to everyone. The Palestinian people, they have the potential. After they lost everything, our parents, they realized one thing, the importance of education. They lost the land, but the land is in their children. In educating them to cut from their mouths, from their food, to sacrifice their lives, to save, to educate their children. The mothers before the fathers to save for their children because they realized that their children who are educated will be the hope to save them and to get them out of this abject poverty and suffering. And the Palestinian person is not living for himself. He's living for others. The eldest to help his parents to live with dignity, with respect, to provide them with what do they need, to help his brothers, his sisters, his cousins, as extended family. That's why the solidarity and the humanity represented among the Palestinian people. And we lived it. And I can say to everyone, especially the young, Men and women, dream. No one can prevent you from dreaming. Dreams are close to reality. In these days, many people, they plan because they have the resources. But for those poor and deprived people, no one can deprive them from dreaming. And I urge them to dream and to work hard and that those dreams are close to reality and to be focused and they carry it there. I dreamed to be a medical doctor. And I remember the day, can I go to medical school, but I have to work hard. I have to get scholarship because my parents can't afford. I succeeded. And when I applied to the university, I said, I want just to go to university. Accept me in any field and I waited for one year and when they send the matching according to my grades forming me that I was accepted to study medicine in Cairo I felt my soul retained to me it's now I can help my family their son is going to be a medical doctor to get a better job, to help his brothers, his parents, his sisters, to have a better house, a better life, and affect others, and not to be a simple worker in the street, suffering, and makes others suffering. And that's what can I say to everyone. Be focused, be determined and a dream.
guess what? I I I had wanted to tell you, Doctor Abulish, that reading your book, I I felt that for the first time I had more of an understanding um, about what was actually happening in Palestine, like uh, like the um, and I thank you for that. Like this, this I a window, a, a, a small window, I know it's only a beginning, but it was the beginning of an understanding of what you, and what you've articulated so well, you've been living with, and and then dreaming toward a different future. I agree with you, and I'm happy that you said that, and that it's our responsibility to know about others, not to practice Injustice and the bridges us without knowing. See them, engage with them, know them. Don't judge others without knowing them blindly with remote control. Ignorance is our enemy. And we need to learn about others and to understand their situation. This will help us. And help them. And to break the cycle of revenge and yes. retribution. It, it's important, it's vital to understand what do we call the other. Not to look superficial. And to look to the children. Children. Of, children who are the beauty of life. Can we think of them? They are the beauty of life, and they are the present and the future. And we'll take a short break, and we'll be right back to talk more with Dr. Izeldin Abulesh, his book, I Shall Not Hate, A Gaza Doctor's Journey on the Road to Peace and Human Dignity. We'll be back.
Welcome back. You've got Living Writers on WCBN, FM, Ann Arbor. I'm T. Hetzel, um, and thanks to Brian Delaney in the engineering chair um, today in the studio. Um, we're, so, we're so pleased to have Dr. Yzeldin Abulesh here. His book, I Shall Not Hate, A Gaza Doctor's Journey on the Road to Peace and Human Dignity, out last year with Walker and Company. Um, Dr. Abulesh, um, in, within the book, uh, it, your memoir. Um, there also um, there's a couple of poems that have have a voice in the book as well. Um, would you mind introducing it, reading one for us, and introducing it? You know the writings. When you speak about Gaza Strip and Palestine, my children, even now, where are they in Canada? Because they were supposed to be there before the war. When I got an offer to work for the University of Toronto. But the war started and, every and everything was frozen till after the war when I said I want to give time for my children. And Rafa, my daughter, who was 10 years old, who was close to her sister Aya and Mayar, every now and then when she writes and they ask her about writing, she compares the life in Palestine, in Gaza Strip, and Canada to speak about the Palestinian children. And that's one day when I saw her writing in Arabic a message to Aya written by Rafa saying, no, no, no. Where did you disappear to from our home? Aya, you were the light of our home. What's happened to the home that was lit up by you? Where has the beautiful light gone? Where has the beautiful girl gone? No, no, no. Where have you disappeared, Ahia? And I can't say. They will never disappear. They are living with us and I will keep them living. I see them every second. Maybe physically, believe me, I feel them, I hug them, I touch them, I see them, I talk to them sometimes. I bring the pictures to see them, to talk, and to see what are they saying to me. The second poem, which was written, for those to know who are those daughters, especially Bisan. Because your daughters had, had gone to peace camp in the United States? Yes. Uh, Bisan was the eldest, who was 20 years old, who was supposed to get her BA a few months later. Because those lovely girls, they never succeeded. Less than 97% in their school. The teachers were fighting to have them in their classes. They have plans full of love, of dreams, of care to others and giving. So this poem was written by an Israeli Jewish woman who knew Bisan, and it's for every human being, especially men in this world, 
and, where and, and could you could i ask clarify and they met when your daughters had had in their the, son had had a chance to go abroad in the to, in, in santa fe to come to a peace camp, a peace camp where this is israeli woman was also one of the instructors the yes. or when, okay and what a lovely experience because that must have been a bridge for them in their lives yes and it was a unique experience for her and she learned from that and there bisan said how similar are we could they were when they looked at each other as girls as a human being from heart to heart mind to mind eye to eye she saw the similarities so this peace camp is specifically for Palestinian and Israeli youth for every you know or for every Christian Jewish Muslim Druze Bedouins and this is the beauty it's for girls only girls and when they asked me I remember about it they called me friends of mine and they told me it's for girls I said I found it it's good for girls she was 14 years old I said I will send her to send the girl from Gaza outside said no she is independent and she can run and she can do it and I wanted it for her and she did it and she learned from that and that's the poem where love resides in memory of Bisan I long to touch you Bisan one more time to hug you to tell you how sorry I am that your mom died. But now, you two are gone. Your smiling face, your gentle way, your softness, your non-judgmental words, your pain for your people, your way of life, your dreams, aspirations, and your hope for peace. Just days before the war, I spoke with your dad. He gave me your phone number. It's still in my car. Every day I glance at the number, seeing your name, Bisan. I wish I had spoken with you more, but I didn't have the guts. I spoke with you three days before you died. I told you that I am praying for your safety. My prayers were not heard through the shilling, the bombing, the kassams, the smoke. I feel I have been betrayed by God, by my country, by the cruelty of humanity, by the warmingers, by those who think violence is the solution. And with all of this, I have been given a gift to have spent six weeks with Shada, Azuddin, and Gaida. I heard no words of revenge, no hatred. I heard no anger. I heard the deep belief that peace is possible even with this enormous loss. I have been strengthened from their strength. I am more determined from their determination. I am more at peace from their peacefulness. Bisan, forgive me for not being able to save you from my own people. Forgive me for giving you hope that peace is possible and then taking that dream from you you will always be my symbol of hope, peace, and mostly gentleness. Your dad shared a dream with me days after you died. He came into a room full of men, and there you were, sitting amongst them. 
he asked you, why are you sitting here, peace and? You know it is not acceptable in our society. You answered, all is fine now, Dad. I am happy and well. I can be here among the men where I am needed. May no other woman need to die. In order to be able to influence the men as you have, peace and may we women be heard and heeded. And may the men in this world get the chance to know from deep within their hearts that this is where the answer lies, in their hearts where love resides. Thank you. And and will you remind me, please, the, the name of the Israeli woman who wrote that poem for Bison? An El Harbaz. Um, so this evening, um, Dr. Abulish will be talking, giving a talk at the Michigan Theater, um, and that will be at 7 p.m. And there'll be a question and answer session afterwards. Um, yes. Which so that's um, that's that's something that people can change your schedule for um, in the snow, right? <laughs> oh well, Dr. Abulish. With the the website that you have, your foundation uh, f for your daughter's for your daughter's memory, so that other children, other Palestinian children, uh, other Israeli children, other children of the world, um, they don't uh, in the hope that there can be peace, and there. As I said, my daughters were planning their life, and they have a father who is educated, who can help them fulfill their plans. What about other girls in this world with potential, with talent, but deprived of their resources? And I fully believe in the potential of girls. We need them. What will your foundation do, Dr. Abulesh? That's it will be for girls and women, for health and education in the Middle East, including countries from the Middle East, Palestine, Israel, Jordan, Syria, Lebanon, to give scholarships, awards, grants, aiming one day to have a college, a university for girls. We need to have real leaders because I fully believe the situation can be changed if the role of the woman is given to them to practice their full potential and it's woman's role, not woman's status. And this can be achieved through education and only education we need women who can build a new generations and why and can you t what do you mean by women's role versus women's status because women's status sometimes you know you see she has a status in the community in the dress in life women's role in decision making in shaping our life in being active part 
of the future, of building the future and making the future. And that's what do we need. It's woman's role, not just a woman to speak or a second class or a third class as every country. They, where they have the potential, they can go and to get the leadership of that position. That's what do we need because I fully believe a healthy educated girl and woman will raise a healthy educated children, husband, community, family, nation, and it will impact. Country's development should be measured by women's education and women's role, not just women's rights, what do we use, or women's status, women's role, how many women in the Congress, how many women as senates, how many women presidents of universities, how many women have active role and leadership position. And it seems to, to me that you've believed this for a long time, that in a way women are a conduit towards um, maybe more more of understanding and peaceful action. I know we can't make generalizations like that uh, necessarily, but it seems like that seems to be a belief of yours. That, that is I, if the woman was given the opportunity, she will succeed and she, do, she will do well and she will challenge. And for me, as a Palestinian, the Palestinian mother and woman, is the hero. She is behind the success of every Palestinian. A mother or a sister or a wife is behind the success of every man. In my life, I am in debt to my mother, my wife, and my daughters. We'll take a short break and we'll come back. You're listening to Living Writers. Today on the program is Aldine <laughs> Abulaish. His book, I Shall Not Hate, A Gaza Doctor's Journey on the Road to Peace and Human Dignity. We'll be back. Thank you. 
Welcome back. You've got Living Writers. I'm T. Hetzel, and today on the program, Dr. Izzeldin Abulaish is here. His book, I Shall Not Hate, A Gaza Doctor's Journey on the Road to Peace and Human Dignity. Um, tonight, Dr. Abulaish will be at the Michigan Theater at 7 o'clock. Dr. Abulaish, thanks again for being here today on the program. We really appreciate oh, you coming you. and speaking. And now, now we've got your book in front of us. Um, there's a beautiful picture on the cover, um, too, of a photo that. Um, I, I, do you mind if we talk about this this briefly? What that you took of your daughters when you took them to some land that you had bought that had a grove of olive trees in it, and it was a day where you were by the sea. Um, well, would you would you mind saying a few words about it? It's. Uh, it was, two weeks be, it was two weeks before the war. And I bought that piece of land. said, I want to get them of their grief, anger, and sadness after they lost their mom. So I took them. A place. Yeah, to, to be open, to speak together, to run a new page of life. And they succeeded. They were very happy. They succeeded, as you see here, to write their names in sand. But they were determined. And later on, I saw this picture. After the tragedy, I saw it. I knew about it. And only the three daughters who were killed and Shada, who was severely wounded, who wrote their names. And every now and then I watch them. I saw them at that time. Every now and then a wave is coming to clean their names. As if they knew that their names will be cleaned from life. But they were determined to rewrite. And they wrote it many times. So that's, what can I say? They succeeded to see their names written in sand. But where are their names now written? They are written in the stone on the tomb. And in your heart? They are in my heart, not the names. They are part of me. It's not the names, believe me, part of me. They are following me as I am living. They are living with me. As I am breathing, they are breathing with me. So, but I swore to God and to them not to relax or to rest till I meet them one day to tell them I am coming to be with you, bringing you justice. And your names are written in stone and metal on institutions for girls and women in this world that your names are living there and your holy souls, the blood, made a difference in others' lives. And and this could be, the this is what the foundation is working towards. Yes. And then where will, will the university be in Palestine? It will be in Gaza. In Palestine, in the Gaza Strip. It's time for the Gazans to feel that they can give and the world to understand that Gazans can give, they are not receptive. They are human and they have the potential to give others. And that's what I'm devoted for. 
And I said it. My life is devoted for this cause. The book, the speeches that I am giving, and even some people, they may think when I filed a lawsuit against the Israeli Defense Force, any compensation that comes will go for the foundation. My daughter's blood is not for a trade. It will be human and for a human cause, and to serve a human cause, because this holy and noble blood must remain and kept and be protected to remain holy and noble for a noble and a human cause. To grow the future. Because those girls and the children, as I said, and I believe in it, they are the hope and they are the future. Dr. Abulish, would you mind reading from the epilogue? Yes. My hope for this book is that it has embraced and embodied the Palestinian people and the tragedies we have faced and has revealed the determination of the Palestinian people to face life's challenges and to be strengthened, not weakened by them. This book is also about freedom. We all must work toward freedom from disease, poverty, ignorance, oppression, and hatred. In one horrifying year, my family and I face the tragedies that mountains can't bear. But as a Muslim with the faith, I fully believe that what is from God is for good, and what is bad is man-made, and can be prevented or changed. The first blow was the loss of my dear wife, Nadia. On September 16, 2008, 2008, the blow that doesn't kill will strengthen you. My children and I survived Nadia's death, becoming stronger through our need to take on additional responsibilities and to help each other survive our individual suffering. Then, January 2009, 16th, of January 2009, just four months later, I lost three precious daughters and a niece when an Israeli tank shelled my house in Gaza. When it's your children who have become collateral damage, what do they call collateral damage? Human beings are not objects. They are human beings with hopes, with potential. Killing one, you kill the world. Saving one, you save the world. In a seemingly endless conflict, when you have seen their bodies literally torn apart and beheaded, their young lives obliterated, how do you not hate? How do you avoid rage? I vowed not to hate and avoided rage because of my strong faith as a Muslim. The Quran taught me that we must endure suffering patiently and forgive those who create the man-made injustices that cause human suffering. This doesn't mean that we don't act to correct those injustices. It's important 
when I face this, because of my daughters, I have to forgive myself from any detrimental factors, effects of hate, of nightmares, of bad thinking, because to achieve their goals and to bring them justice, it's not with hate. It's with, it's with wisdom, with talent, and being healthy mentally, physically, spiritually to move forward. That's what I am determined. I'm not going to be consumed by hate. Because when you hate, the hater is the one who is consumed. And the hated is not thinking of that. One day he will wake up and to ask for forgiveness. If his conscience wakes up and at that moment, it's a moral responsibility of the perpetrator to admit, to apologize, and take responsibility, and of the victim to forgive in order to move forward. I don't want to be victim twice, victim of the tragedy, and the victim of hate. So you can, I, so you shall not hate. I will never hate. I hate the act. I hate it of not accepting it, of working to reject any insane act, because I don't want to be consumed with hate. I am protected from that, and I urge every one of us to create a shield against hate, to protect himself, if he wants to challenge any bad, awful, terrible acts in this world. If we start to just to think irrational, to lose control with anger, with hate, it will never lead to any way. Once you are angry, you lose control. Once you hate, you will keep yourself in a prison, in a fire, boiling all of the time, and you will never get from there. Don't allow it to penetrate or invade you. The antidote of hate is success, and to challenge those you hated, or you were supposed to hate, it challenged them by the good deeds and by the success. They are waiting for you to collapse. Till them, I am standing up. I am strong. I am determined. I will never collapse. I am stronger than before. Thank you, Dr. Abu Ghish, very much for being here today on the program. Um, and tonight, you'll be at the Michigan Theater at 7 o'clock for a talk and then also a question and answer period afterwards. Looking ahead, you're going to Grand Rapids on, on Thursday, Dearborn on Friday, um, and then you're, wow, you're going back on the road, Minneapolis, 
Atlanta, D.C., Pittsburgh. Where aren't you going? <laughs> New York. Believe me, it's a, it's a moral responsibility, and this is a promising. Yes. Once you see the people, you care about others, and the ground is receptive. The people are 